We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, October the 27th, 2020. On today's show, former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath joins me. He does it each and every single Tuesday to break down South Carolina's 52-24 loss to the LSU Tigers in Baton Rouge on Saturday night. We'll talk offense, defense, special teams, Will Muschamp, what went right, and mostly what went wrong as South Carolina suffers a tough defeat in Baton Rouge falls to two and three on the season. We'll also look ahead to the bye week. What does South Carolina most need to improve on, and what can they salvage in the rest of the 2020 football season? Before we get into everything, this is a podcast sent to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention other companies simply can't offer because they're too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service service guys service is what separates upstate movers group from the rest of the moving companies they're not a trucking company guys they are a moving services company and they're also employee-owned co-ops their movers are paid twice the industry average and everyone in the crew is just invested in the success of the project they have dedicated professional crew members and they offer black glove service as well they offer end-to-end packing services custom craning and packaging for special items and cleaning services as well. By the way, guys, they are founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni. They offer 20 years of project management and moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, again, Upstate Movers Group, the, the, the service is what separates them from everyone else. I've had the pleasure of meeting these guys. They're awesome. They're really great. When you're having someone move your stuff, take care of your stuff, the moving process can be an absolute nightmare. You want someone there who's going to make that transition, that process seamless for you. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Check them out, upstatemoversgroup.com. You can also find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Again, that's upstatemoversgroup.com. And tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. The Spurs Up Show is also brought to you by our friends over at Yardware. Yardware is a veteran-owned and operating company licensed by the University of South Carolina selling must-have Carolina yard and wall signs. These signs, they are made out of 12-gauge laser-cut steel, and they come in both garnet and black. Guys, football season's here. Football season is in full swing. Christmas is right around the corner. Holidays are here, guys. You can order yours today at YardwareSigns.com. You can go to YardwareSigns.com or find them on social media at YardwareSigns. Guys, I have one in my studio. You guys, you can put this thing anywhere, your studio, your office, your man cave, your living room, 
your yard, obviously. It's extremely high quality as well, and it only charges $34.95. These things are only $34.95. It's a must-have for every Gamecock fan. You need to get one for yourself, but if you're trying to gift buy for a Gamecock fan, this is something, it's a must-have. It's something they absolutely have to have. Again, guys, you can find yours, yardwaresigns.com. That is yardwaresigns.com. Or check them out on social media at Yardware Signs. Finally, the Spurs Up show is also brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Guys, between the NFL, college ball, MLB playoffs, there's no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with MyBookie. Guys, if you're the type of person who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting money a couple of those in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Guys, not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. Don't forget, the underdogs as well, they have a ton of value. As Gamecock fans, we all know about the underdogs. We all know about being the underdog, and we all know the underdog has a ton of value. The thing about it is, in the NFL at least, is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do as well. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Guys, you can sign up today at MyBookie, and when you do, go to MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code GAMECOX, and it's MyBookie.ag, promo code GAMECOX, to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way to 1000 bucks. What that means all the way up to 1000 if you put in $1,000, you go to MyBookie.ag, put in promo code GAMECOX, they are going to match it dollar for dollar with a free play. So that means a free play. You put down money. If you lose, you don't lose the money. If you win, you keep the money, guys. It's literally a win-win scenario. It's a bonus designed to give you a little bit of help and a head start in your winning season. Again, that's mybookie.ag, promo code GAMECOX. Mybookie.ag, promo code GAMECOX, for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Again, guys, stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports bets, and more. You can sign up today at mybookie.ag, promo code GAMECOX. That's mybookie.ag, promo code GAMECOX, to begin your winning season exclusively at mybookie. Let's get it. Tuesday. He's going to try to help me break down just what went wrong on Saturday night as the Gamecocks fall to LSU 52 to 24. Former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath joining the show. Alex, appreciate you taking the time. First things first, great to see your face here on a Monday afternoon. Obviously, show coming out Tuesday, but great to see your face. How was your weekend overall, sir? It was a good weekend, man. It was a good weekend. Just a bunch of stuff around the house and settling in to watch what turned into a whooping. Yeah, Saturday night. So you know, we'll just you know, you're you're talking about you know, let's let's recount everything that happened. It'd probably be 
much quicker to talk about what actually went right for us than what went wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I had somebody ask me, what are the positives? And I was like, I can name the positives that happened on Saturday night, probably under 10 seconds. Um, the rest of it obviously will take hours and hours and we dissect and all, but let's dive into <laughs> it. Let's talk about the game again. You, you want to try to talk about positive, but again, we can nail them out. Kevin Harris, Kevion Mullins, Ernest Jones, boom, there's your positives. Now getting to what actually happened in the game, South Carolina again, Falling 52 to 24. I was in the stadium, obviously. I was in Baton Rouge, and it felt like it was going south from the jump when I saw LSU shoving us around their offensive line, just bullied South on his defensive line all night. You give up 276 rushing yards. TJ Finley, the freshman quarterback, looks like a Heisman candidate. I want to start on the defensive side of the ball because, again, that is Will Muschamp's forte. That is supposedly his calling card. He is supposedly a defensive guru. And again, I know you're a little bit more of an X's and O's guy than me, Alex, because you actually played. Um, So I'll ask you, watching the game, what was your takeaway as far as like, what was the defensive game plan? Can, can Can you help me understand what the game plan was? Because going in that game, one of my keys to the game was bring the heat. I thought South Carolina was going to be you know, or needed to be very aggressive, getting after T.J. Finley, causing havoc, getting him under duress. Again, his first ever start. He's a true freshman. And, dude, it looked like a seven-on-seven back there. When you have a running game like he had, it's going to make it really, really easy on any quarterback. But zero sacks, zero quarterback hurries for the South Carolina defense. What did you see from the defense as far as, like, a game plan perspective? What do you think they were trying to accomplish? I honestly, I have no idea. Like I like the whole time we were just sitting there talking about, you know, well, the only thing we can do, it's a freshman making his first start, put him in uncomfortable situations. And our game plan seemed to be the opposite of that. We didn't, we didn't have one sack and they also didn't punt. Did not punt so, the whole game. Did not punt the entire game. <laughs> I, 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 I dare to speculate what the game plan was, but it, it, it didn't look like we had one. Hmm. Yeah, just I, mean, like, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Again, because... it looked like seven on seven for TJ Finley. And, you know, it, it truly, like I said, it was baffling because I, I knew LSU was a good team coming in. Like I knew they had talent over the field. And, you know, I, I knew even with Finley, like, you know, I, I picked South Carolina to win. I saw a path to the win, but I knew in the back of my mind, hey, LSU's got talent. Like it's still going to be a challenge. But again, year five of Will Muschamp. I talked about it'd be a bigger indictment on him if the defense was average or suspect or whatever. And I talked about this on the Monday podcast. Um, I talked about it on the Daily Crow. You can't depend on what you saw in the Auburn game week after week. You, You can't depend on three interceptions. You can't depend on the other offense just being so inept. And I feel like now, again, Carolina going into the bye week, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, they're going to try to figure things out. But I feel like the book is written on how to attack this South Carolina defense. Stick to the run, be stingy in the run, and just throw away from J.C. Horn, and you're going to have success. That's what it feels like to me. It feels like the book is written on this defense at this point. Yeah, and I mean, it, it worked just like, I mean, it, when we talked about last week uh, after the Auburn game, you know, it was really, you know, LSU's got great talent on the outside, and, you know, what Auburn failed to do was to move Seth, Seth Williams around and so he was always that matchup with J.C. Horn and what LSU was able to do was move Jefferson around and get him in the slot and hit some quick hitters with him and give him a chance to be explosive and I just, yeah so I mean at the end of the day that's what everybody's going to game plan on hmm. like you know if we can't get pressure 
with, you know, four guys, then you got to bring five. And we didn't do any of that this weekend. So I, I, I'm as lost as you are on that. Yeah, I, I don't I, really I, even know how to break it down from an X's no standpoint, just because I have no idea what they were attempting to do. Yeah. I, again, I, and I, even, even Ed Orgeron Sunday afternoon said that, you know, he saw South Carolina, a lot of four man fronts and he said he was surprised South Carolina did not bring pressure more. And I'm sitting there like, if he's saying that, like, like it's one thing for us to say it, but for Ed Orgeron to be saying, it's like, hey, Coach O, we're surprised too. Trust me. Um, we all are. I, I want to just get your take on this, Alex, because South Carolina, for whatever, you know, I, I, I was almost making light of it Saturday because, listen, I, I, was, <clears throat> I was very fired up for the game. And, you know, maybe I drank some of the Kool-Aid last week and was giving Carolina the, the benefit of the doubt. But I really did see a path to a win. You saw a reeling LSU team. They had their off-the-field issues. Miles Brennan was out. You know, their team as a whole obviously lost a ton from last year. They've been having their struggles, whatever. I saw a path to a win, but it was funny. I was making light of this Saturday on social media because I saw so many Carolina fans leading up to this game, especially late in the week, Friday, and then day of Saturday saying, you know, I'm just scared we're going to make this guy look like Cam Newton 2.0. You know, we're terrible against first-time quarterbacks. We're going to make this, this freshman look like a Heisman contender. And I actually made light of it. Saturday, which maybe I pissed off the football god, so maybe it's on me. <laughs> but when you go back and you look how badly, how poorly South Carolina has done, I mean, the last two performances that stick out, Saturday and then Sam Howell's first game with North Carolina and what he did for the Tar Heels. Like, again, we're both, we're both kind of sitting here scratching our heads clueless as far as what the game plan was Saturday. I mean, do you think there's any rhyme or reason – why first-time quarterbacks just have been able to shred South Carolina's defense, especially with Will Muschamp at the helm? Like, is there anything it can be attributed to? Again, I know it's a large sample, like, as far as, you know, asking you to pinpoint one or two things. But, like, again, maybe I'm just trying to, you know, because people have been asking me, and I'm like, I don't understand how you can have less success against true freshmen that are unproven, that are kind of going out there, and they're puppies. They, they don't even know what they're doing, and yet they are shredding your defense. Like, I, I genuinely just do not understand how that can be a thing for Carolina football. It, it's really the exact same thing in both instances and in that you just got out coached. Yeah. I mean, it was the same thing against North Carolina. You're not going to bring pressure. You're not going to change stuff up. You're going to kind of keep it relatively simple from a defensive standpoint, and that's playing right into their hands. Hmm. Because yeah. as a freshman, you know, typically they're not going to ask you to do a whole lot, so you're not going to go out there and try to outthink the room. And if you're not going to show them – or if you're not going to shift coverages, if you're not going to bring pressure from weird angles, like, you're just playing directly into their hands. You're making them comfortable. And that's what we did. We made him comfortable, and that confidence grew over the course of both of those games. For sure. Now, offensively, obviously, you know, it's funny. The the performance almost of the South kind of offense, to me at least, got overshadowed. And not not in a, not in a positive way because, again, there's a, lot, there's a lot of bad things that happen on the offensive side of the football. But – I've been talking more defense because the defense just played so pitifully bad. But offensively, wasn't good. One, one of the hot topics has been the quarterback position, which I want to dive into because that that's the easiest position to attack, right, Alex? That That's the guy. He's taking all the snaps. It, it kind of all falls on his shoulders. He's just like the, the, the head coach. He's just like a coach in the sense he gets too much of the credit when things go well. And he gets too much of the thing thing or the credit when thing or blame when things go poorly. So we all understand what comes with being a starting quarterback, especially in the SEC. But you take a look for South Carolina offensively. Uh, again, 
I had a sick feeling in my stomach early in the game, being in the building. I mean, again, you get that long run with Kevin Harris and you tie the game at 7-7. But I knew seeing LSU move the football the way they did, it did not bode well for South Carolina. South Carolina simply is just not built offensively, especially. They're not built to win a game like that. They're not built to get into a Big 12 scoring match where you've got to score 40 or 50 to win the football game. The Gamecocks, which it's kind of ironic, <clears throat> LSU did to South Carolina what I think South Carolina wants to do to everybody else or what South Carolina has been doing this year. They won Correct. time of possession. Yeah. LSU held the ball for 37 minutes, which is crazy, but they won time of the possession. They had these long drives. They got those back-breaking third downs. Hell, LSU was third or eight for 10 on third downs in this football game. They played the brand of football South Carolina wants to play, and when you saw the Gamecocks get to a point where you're down 21 and you really just feel like you have to throw the football at that point, it was like all of my worst fears came to reality. And the stuff that I was scared about in the preseason, you know you've got lack of options on the outside. And when defenses take away Shy Smith, which LSU basically did, I mean, he had two catches, and really both those catches were like sweet passes that they're counted as a pass and a catch or whatever. But um, you take him away. There just aren't enough weapons on this South kind of offense. And I know everyone's putting it on Colin Hill. And listen, he, he played the worst game of his short South kind of career at this point. But just talk about as a whole, and then we'll dive into specifics in a second, what you saw from the South kind of offense. Because again, really the one positive you can pull from this game, and again, in, in the midst of it, it's a small positive because it's overshadowed by all the negatives, but Kevin Harris is a beast. Like Kevin Harris and Deshaun Fenwick are a very reliable one-two punch. And again, I think that's been well-established, but it's kind of a shame that South Carolina fell behind the way they did because you were unable to get the ball in Kevin Harris's hands. He only had 12 carries, averaged 10 yards a carry, but he only had 12 carries. But as a whole, what you saw from the Gamecocks offense on Saturday night? I mean, it, off the top of my head, it was just like we took way too many sacks. Yeah. And I don't know if that five, is a measure. Five sacks of, in total. Five sacks in total. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had a bad pick six, um, which – you know, that happens. So, so be it. But, you know, we took way too many sacks, you know, it's, it just doesn't look like we're not built to play down three touchdowns, mostly mm-hmm. because we kick field goals when we're down three touchdowns, <laughs> which I guess we can get into later. Oh yeah, um, for sure. But, you know, it, it's a lack and like, I don't know if it's a lack of flexibility because of personnel but if, if you when you get down like that, just we've got to open it up and give him or Colin or whoever's standing back there better options than we're giving him right now. Or in, if that means you got to, you know, throw Luke and Dak in there every once in a while to change it up. It's just like it's a lack of flexibility mm-hmm. on that front, which I would tell you is the most concerning thing looking at it. Yeah. Well, I, and like you said, again, I just think it speaks to South Carolina is not built to compete in a game like that. Like, they they need to – South Carolina needs to muddy it up. It needs to be almost kind of like a sloppy game. Your defense has to play really, really well, and South Carolina's offense just kind of grind out a win. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's, it's mean, not yeah, going to be a score-at-will offense. No, no, it's not. But at the same time, like, that comes back to, you know – and I know we were talking about it last week, you know, is the most, you know, positive coaching hire of right. the year with Bobo. But at the same time, like – that happens mm. like you're going to get down at some point in the season in a game that you need to win yeah. and to not have the 
tools readily available to you to go out and compete in that situation is the most troubling part of it. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, we'd rather run the, we would, we want our stat line to look like LSU's did where we control the ball for 60% of the game. And we got a ton of first downs. We're really efficient on third down. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to happen every week. Right. And so there has to be something sitting there where, yeah, we're down. We got to go score points. Let's go do it. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that. And I don't know why. And it can't be, we don't trust the receivers. Right. Like, because at the end of the day, you're like, you guys recruited them here. You're coaching them. Like, just stick them out there and let them go play. Right. Like, if you're, if you're down three touchdowns, who cares? Well, and, and that's, but, and that's you know, my at biggest... the same time that we get in the red zone, we're kicking field goals down yeah. three touchdowns. That, so, I mean, there's my, just. That's my biggest thing as far as why I want, you know, people ask me, who do you want to be the next head coach? I'm like, just make it an offensive minded head coach because I agree with you, especially in today's college football. Again, I said this going into the season. I was like, hey, you can get to five and five, maybe even six and four with the type of philosophy instilled and the type of team that I think, you know, Will Muschamp built and he wanted to have whatever. But in today's college, well, like you said, you're going to, you're not going to be able to do that every week. Like you're going to have to score points to win. And this, I'm just saying, like, just call it for what it is. This South kind of football team is not built to, to win a game 42 to 40. It's not, it's certainly not built to score 50. Um, but it's it's just simply not built right now for whatever reason um, to win a game like that. Let, let's let's address the elephant in the room, by the way, Alex. Which is the quarterback position? And I want to ask you because I said this on the Monday show because I know a lot of people. Again, it's the most popular guy to go after. He gets too much of the credit and too much of the blame, whatever. But it's the popular guy to go after, and I under I certainly understand the criticisms of Colin Hill. When you look at his stat line. He had a very Colin Hill game. It was very consistent yeah. with what he's done this season. A touchdown and a pick, and really you can put at least half of the blame on the pick on Jalen Brooks for quitting on the slant route. Um, but, yeah, Colin had a very Colin Hill game. The problem, and I understand I, – I do understand fans' gripes with Colin because he's a statue, and you're giving up five sacks. There's too many sacks. When South Carolina gets in a scenario where they're down 21 or 28 or whatever – and you feel like they have to throw the ball. I mean, that's got to be a defensive lineman's dream. It's got to be a pass rusher's dream to know, pin your ears back. This guy's not mobile. He can't move. And Colin, I understand he's had three ACL surgeries. This, the moment he senses pressure, he he collapses, right? I mean, he, he just kind of gives way. It just kind of is what it is. But I, yeah. said this, I said this on the Monday show, and I, I just say this frankly because a lot of people are clamoring for Ryan Helensky. Heck, some of you are even clamoring for, for Luke Doty, the true freshman. I don't think – I still don't think there's really a better option on the roster. And, and I'm not happy saying that because, again, as much as we've backed Colin Hill and I've praised him for, for being steady Eddie and having that steady hand, like the fact South Carolina does not have a better option kind of speaks volumes to – what they've done as far as recruiting and development. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not a knock on Colin, but his ceiling is so low. Like, I understand people's frustrations, but I'd still say, Alex, and again, I want to get your take, I, I still think Colin Hill is probably the best option you have available right now. So I think that I think the answer is twofold. Um, yes, I think Colin Hill is the best option available to you because of the scheme. If we yeah, had yeah. any flexibility yeah, yeah, yeah. in okay. that, there are better options. Yeah. 
like, all right, fine. We can't, you know, look, you know, if we don't have the type of receivers to run the types of routes that we're asking them to run, how do we adjust that and bring in some more flexibility to the quarterback? And, 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 basically, and basically you're saying if we were flexible in scheme as far as like, because I'm like equating it to if Mike Bobo was willing to say, hey, we're going to go with Luke Doty and run an RPO system. Like I'm going to completely change – my philosophy as far as like we're not going to be under center as much we're going to incorporate quarterback run like fitting correct the scheme to the player like you're okay correct yeah which which again you know going back to our first show of the season was my biggest fear of this whole experiment was that you know we've got these qbs on the roster that may not fit what he's trying to do is he going to mold his system to that or is he just going to do what he's going to do and be stingy in his system like he's stingy in the system basically correct and here we are Right. I, I will ask you this. Do you, because I, I, I definitely hear what they're saying. Do you understand fans' gripes that say, um, why would you not start Ryan Helinski? Because he's the quote unquote, like, he's the future per se. If, if they're, if they're both kind of similar, because I will say this to you, Alex, if you get to a point, and, and the, the tough thing about this is, when do you define this? And you've been in a locker room. There's no point where you feel like, oh, the season's just a wash. Like, whatever. Doesn't even matter. The season's a wash. Like, you're fighting every snap, every second. That's how it should be in the locker room. But I just sit and think to myself, if you get to the point where the season's a wash, again, you got A&M after the bye week, and again, it's tough to define when this is, I would have no problem if nothing else getting Ryan Helinski and Luke Doty much, much more involved because in a way – I, again, I understand fans saying, like, they are the future. Both of them are going to be in South Carolina, you assume. I mean, assuming nobody transfers, whatever. They're both going to be at South Carolina far beyond when Colin Hill will be at South Carolina. You know what I mean? So, like, what, what, do, you, what do you think about that, fans, as far as clamoring for Helensky because of we need to play for the future and not necessarily worry about playing this, this Colorado State transfer and salvaging whatever in 2020? Yeah, I mean, in any instance, the backup quarterback's the most popular man on campus right, right. at most places. So right. I throw a lot of it to that. I, especially, especially when the backup quarterback's name is Ryan Helinski, and he played last year, and he has his family story. I know people don't like to hear it, but those factors factor in a ton. So oh, I, yeah. I don't, I don't disagree, and I'm not calling for a quarterback change, but that's obviously a very hot topic right now. And, and like again, I will say one of the things that was sort of annoying it wasn't surprising but you know Ryan Helinski nor Luke Doty getting any snaps at the end of the game in a 28 point blowout like I understand yeah, that, fans weird. I understand fans being upset at that 100% and yeah I mean whether you, I mean yeah I mean I would like to see him play just because of the to build for the future or just more than anything else see what else you got mm. Like you yeah. can play him in practice all all you want to, but until you put him in live fire situations, you don't know what kind of moxie anybody has. So, right. yeah, throw him in there. What what does it matter? You're down four scores. I mean, especially in a year that doesn't count. It's like you know again because I know a lot of fans again clamoring for Luke Doty. Like I, I say this, Luke Doty. I think he's a true freshman. I don't think he's ready, and I don't necessarily want to just throw him in the fire. And you know because if he goes out there and gets beat up, it might wash his confidence. Like I, I don't know. I don't necessarily want to do that to Luke Doty. And then Ryan Helensky, we know what he offers. I don't think Ryan does anything that Colin Hill doesn't do. And, and Colin Hill knows 
the playbook better. Um, and again, we've had this conversation before. Nothing has really changed. Colin Hill did not play a great game on Saturday night. We know that again. I don't think Colin Hill's built to play in a game like that. I don't think he's built to go out there and, hey, we're going to put it all on you. We're down 21, throw us back in the game. I think he is who he is. And Colin Hill kind of fits this football team in the sense that he's painfully average. And I say that being as nice as I can possibly say it, but he is. Yeah. That's just he is who he is at this point, and it kind of fits this football team. But, again, I do understand fans, you know, especially at the end of the game, why are you not seeing these other options? And, again, like especially in a year, I just say with eligibility where it doesn't count, like you don't even have to use a red shirt this year because the year literally does not count. Why would you not, like you're saying, want to get a guy's feet wet in an SEC game on the road? Because again, you can do it in practice, and you know it's it's. And I'm not to pile on the kid, but it's like I told you about Jalen Brooks. As far as temper your expectations for Jalen Brooks in his first game being eligible, bro. Yeah, we've heard all time. Nobody, no, unless your name is Steve Spurrier. There's no head coach coming out and ripping guys for their performance in practice. Every, everybody looks great. Everybody's in great shape. Everybody's playing well. You know, I think I think Spurrier was one of the few that he just truly didn't give a damn. If you were playing like ass, he would call it. He would say, hey, he's not looking really good. Or, you know, I, I, I'll just never forget some of the comments he had after practices about Clowney. And, I mean, these, these are legends. He, he was kind of giving them slights and getting under their skin. But, you know, who cares how you look in practice? Like, get in the game, get your feet wet, go against some real SEC competition, and we'll go from there, and you can learn about your guys from there. So I truly do understand the the fans' frustration in that regard. Would, would there be a point in the season for you, Alex, where you would say, you know, okay, you know, you'd ha- you wouldn't have a problem, per se, like Ryan Helinski or Luke Doty getting the start or playing a majority of the snaps? Like, would there come a point in time in the season where – that's something you would be open to or want to see. I mean, I, I would be open to it now. I mean, at the end of the day, what's the downside? Yeah. There's no eligibility to worry about. Yeah. So, I mean, like, why not put them out there? Right. And you're not playing for an SEC East title. <laughs> let's just, you are not. Yeah, let's just be honest. Um, obviously, special teams was a complete nightmare. Um, the, the kickoff return for a touchdown reminded me a lot of Debo Samuel, what he did against Ole Miss two years ago, and then – Parker White, um, off night for Parker, you know, whatever reason. I, I saw one of the ones he missed. I was down on that side of the field. He basically just flubbed it like you would your 60-degree wedge, just flat-out flubbed it, turf flying up. Um, knew he missed it straight off the jump. But that more so gets me to the point. Again, I'm saving the best for later in the show. Will Muschamp. It, it, it's so funny how Will Muschamp can, can – God, he can just reel you in, and then he just just – stomps on your hopes and dreams and your heart and all your aspirations and everything else. And just when you think for a second, you may want to give him a little credit. You may have some, some feel good and some positivity. No, none of that. We're going to squash that completely. Get rid of that. Again, it's just like Tennessee all over again. You have a fourth down situation. This one was even worse into the first half, fourth and four from the LSU 17 yard line. You are down 31 to 10. If you make the if you miss the field goal, it's a three score game. If you make the field goal, it's a three score game. So what is the upside to kicking the field goal, Alex? I don't. I, I genuinely like. I don't even know where to go from here as far as as far as Muschamp and like the coaching decisions and stuff like that. It's it's just truly baffling. And I know Will Muschamp, and and no coach does this. No no player. What nobody nobody on those sidelines is sitting there thinking to themselves. Well. No, like they're not letting social media or fan takes dictate a decision, right? And I, if you're a head coach doing that, you're probably not a very good one. 
But at some point, bro, Will Muschamp knows what's said about him. He he knows what people think about him. He knows, um, he he knows like the the book that's been written on him by people. He knows what the naysayers say or whatever. You just think I would think at some point he would get in a situation like that and be like, you know what? Everybody's expecting me to kick the field goal. Why don't we just go for it? Like, why not? Like, let me let me just break this trend, if you will. And, and I think a lot of it comes back to, and we saw this after the Florida game with the seven-minute drive to end the game and him adamantly defending it. And, you know, we were saying it's baffling how right he, he that he thinks that's the right decision. I think Will Muschamp just thinks he's the smartest guy 24-7. Like, he, he, he does it in spite because he feels like he is just smarter than everybody when it comes. And, again, Will Muschamp has shit out more football than I will ever know in my life. But it's like, it's something so obvious, it feels like. And it's like, that is a microcosm of the team and the program he's built. And we talk about the offense as far as the the uh, the identity of the offense. And that, that's all fine and dandy and, like you know, whatever. But, like, it's, it's a microcosm of the team as far as that conservative mindset. Like, it, it just – and it's just so painfully on brand of Will Muschamp. And, again, here we are. I feel like a broken record. Like, we're saying this again this is the third time now that we've that we've talked about an issue like this from Tennessee to Florida and to now. Like what I just want to know from you, what was going through your mind when they lined up for the field goal on fourth and four down 21 points? Like I, I have to imagine you just either were going irate or just shaking your head, like, yep, this this is this is fitting. This is very fitting. I mean, honestly, the first thing that popped through my mind is that like maybe Parker White family has some like serious blackmail on him like i you there's no other way to explain it there's not like what what are we doing here yeah and and i and i tried i tried to give champ the benefit of the doubt somewhat in the tennessee game because it was fourth and 12 but it was fourth and four at lsu 17 i mean in a game where you kind of at that point felt like and knew we cannot stop lsu um it's again it's it's beyond it's almost it's it's almost beyond words and it's that's not a good thing for a podcast host to have because we're supposed to talk about it but it's almost just beyond words like what is there to say what is there to there's say? nothing else to, like we've said everything that you could be said about it and you just rattled it all off it's like he thinks he's the smartest person in the room yeah he thinks he's he knows he's doing the right thing when he isn't and he's never going to be talked out of it yeah, and I, it's the same reason we run a ball control offense. Like yeah. that's what he wants to do. He thinks that's the smartest thing to do, and he's the smartest person in the universe. So he's never going to do anything different. Yeah, and I, and I said that in preseason that this team was going to be Will Muschamp's dream as far as like he wants to be stingy on defense, have a ball control offense, and win games twenty four to twenty one in the year of our Lord two thousand and twenty. When that is just not how college ball is played. It's just not. It's not. That's not how it's played anymore. It, it's it's not. Hey, I mean, not to you know age you but it's not 2005 like it's it's not the early 2000s when teams were winning 17 to 14 that's no you know you're not you're not beating clemson 13 to 9 or whatever like like the 2005 clemson carolina game that i remember so vividly like that's just not football anymore like those games it's not 2006 florida where it's like what 16 to 30 like nobody plays that way anymore like that's not how it's played so no it's over and it's just like you look at the like and to not evolve as a head coach i mean look at nick saban right. <clears throat> they're scoring 50 points a game mm. they're putting yeah. up more offense than like anybody on the planet right now and because it's how you have to win 
and he yeah. knows that and i have no idea why <laughs> why you would think like well nick's doing it this way so but i'm gonna keep doing it my way and right. like well, what are you doing man yeah i mean it's it's Again, it's it's just baffling. I remember sitting there in the stadium. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I remember sitting there in the stadium lining it up, and I remember when Parker White missed it, and it might sound bad. It's nothing against Parker. I was like, I'm glad he missed it. I, I'm, I'm genuinely glad because you know what? When you make a call like that, you, you just kind of get what you deserve. You, you know what I mm-hmm. – Alex, you're a golf guy, big golfer. You know what I equate it to? You're on the ninth hole. You're like 20 over, and you lay up on the par five. Like, what is the point? Just go for it. What do you have to lose? Like – Dude, who cares? And you know what happens when you lay up in that scenario? You thin it you into the water. The creek. You thin yeah. it into the water. <laughs> you get what you deserve. When you make a – and I won't phrase it to you the way I did on the Monday show because I use some explicitives that I don't, I don't want to bless your eardrums with. But when you make a conservative call, when you play conservative, you get a conservative result. I mean, that that's just genuinely what happens. And, again, I equate it to the golf thing so perfectly. It's like – why are you laying up on the par five? What? You, it's not like you're a scratch golfer. You're not trying to protect the handicap, bro. Like you're already behind the eight ball. Just go for it. You might hit the green. Just go. You never know. It might be the one swing where you pull it off. And it's like again, I just to quote it back to that. And it's like you know what? I'm glad he missed it. We got what we deserved. That that, that was a deserved result for that drive and for that call. And you know whatever. Again, it's no offense to Parker White or his family or whatever dirt they may have on Will Muschamp, but I, I it just <laughs> you know, I. I and you know what's bad? We have five more games left. We have five more games left, and we're probably going to talk about that again at some point. Alex, I, I want to get your take as we go into the bye week here. Um, as we go into the bye week, you know, obviously you played, you were in the locker room. Talk, talk about what it was like being a player, whether coming off a win or loss, things you guys would work on in the bye week when you play. Like, what were the focuses? Was it really just fundamentals or were you even thinking about the next opponent like what what was the bye week like for you guys in regards to trying to get better and figure yourself out as a team so during the bye week it's going to typically be a little bit lighter of a week of practice um and what you're going to do is you're going to go through and refocus and you're doing a lot of self-scouting and figuring out what your tendencies are and how you break those and just getting like getting per- perfecting what you're trying to do from an offensive and defensive standpoint so no like they're not going to look at you know next opponent mm-hmm. this week that's not going to happen until um no, probably i would say sunday or monday of the following week but you know that's that's really all you try to do is just work on your stuff internally and try to get better so there's no focus on the next opponent for sure and then i posed this question to um you know, our followers and on social media and stuff like that. Because obviously this is a team, unfortunately, like I said, I I feel like we're literally at the halfway point of the season. And I kind of feel like I, 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 this, this team is about that. (laughs) I, I, well, yeah, no, it's crazy. We're literally at the halfway point. We're five games through, got five more remaining. I kind of feel like I, I, I know what this team is at this point. And I don't know how much can change. It is a painfully inconsistent group that, you know, it, it certainly has some individual players who can excel and who could change a football game and make big plays. We've seen that with Kevin Harris. We've seen that with Shai Smith. We've seen that with J.C. Horn. But overall, as a whole, it is a painfully inconsistent football team that the issues we thought kind of going into preseason are there. And defensively, we're much worse off than we thought. And there's holes in the secondary. And if you know that 
I mean, again, the book is written on South Carolina right now, I feel like. I, I feel like it's, it's not that difficult. It's pretty simple as far as how to attack South Carolina. But obviously, there are things this Gamecock football team, this Gamecock football team needs to work on, needs to get better at, holes they need to plug. What is the one thing or maybe the main couple of things, you know, you would like to, if, like if you had a Christmas wish list or whatever, you had a wish list for the bye week, what is the thing you want to see this team improve most on as they head into this Texas A&M game after the bye week, which I think is going to be one of those must-win pivotal games, night game at home. What is that thing for you you most want to see improve over the bye week? And I'm guessing our, we're kind of constrained to I can't wish for Will Muschamp to be fired and a well, more confident head yeah, coach I mean, replacing I, I, yeah, him. I mean, yeah, something realistic. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not realistic. Um, I, I'd love to see a new wrinkle added to the offense where you have some kind of confidence in a hurry-up situation. I mean, and, and again, you know, it, it kind of – it goes back to we had no sense of urgency against Florida. You know, it took us seven and a half minutes to do a two-minute drill. So, like, that is something I want to see accomplished yeah. more than anything. And then, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, figure out a way to get pressure. Yeah. Like, you got to bring five, bring five. You know, we, we keep talking about we got these all-world cornerbacks out there. They can be left on an island. Or at least you keep telling us they can be. Right. And so, you know, figure out a way to bring pressure. I, I agree with you, by the way, the offensive wrinkles. Um, would you like to see personnel changes? Would you just like to see new plays added? I mean, I guess maybe a mixture of both. I mean, I, I'm sure you don't care as long as, it, as long as it's putting points on the board. But, you know, specifically, because I, I, I agree with you. I'd like to see South Carolina get more creative offensively. I mean, you, you keep telling us, you, and again, what, what Will Muschamp says, take it with a grain of salt. How he says they perform in practice, take it completely with a grain of salt. But from what we've heard, and, we, and we've seen it, heck, Dak Joyner, he's an athlete. Where is he at? How is he not touching the ball once? You keep saying how good of an athlete Luke Doty is. Hey, every time he gets in there, that little, that little wildcat gets nine or ten yards. It's like, I agree with you. Like, where is the wrinkle? What are you doing to get your best athletes on your team the football? Because, again, you're not going to be able to force, fight, force feed it to Shai Smith every game. You just you can't, you can't count on him to have eight, nine, or ten catches every game. You just can't do it. So, again, back to my point, as far as wrinkles, do you want to see new personnel, new formations? Like, what, what are you – what would you – I mean, what would you prefer to see? I mean, it's, it's all that stuff. It's like, if, you know, Colin – if you have other packages that you can get the other guys in the game that adds an element to the offense, get them in there. And it can't like, to your point, like don't just force feed shy Smith, the football, like you got Kevin Mullins out there. You got Nick Muse, you got Josh Mann, you got Dak, you got Luke, you got all these other weapons out there that you could feature in some way. And you, it can't be, well, you know, the offensive scheme is too complicated for them and you know, they're just not there yet. Well then dumb it down. Like, get those guys the football. They're not doing you any good sitting on the bench with a helmet in their hand. If you got to take, if you got to take something off of the book to make it work, take something off the book to make it work. Hmm. Like, it, it's just, uh, it's startling coaching malpractice. For sure. And again, that's unfortunately, I've heard you say coaching malpractice more than once this season. And I'm sure it will not be the last time I hear you say that. Um, Alex, appreciate the time as always. Last thing really quickly. I know you're a golf guy. Would you ever lay up on a par five? You're not a layup guy, right? Like you're going to go for it, right? Layups are for basketball, Chris. <laughs>
<laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, well, I mean, look, look, here's the thing. Here's the thing with the layup. <laughs> it actually perfectly encapsulates what you were trying to say. If you're not a low handicap golfer, I would say there's even less of a reason to try yeah. to lay up because like at the end of the day, are you going to be any more accurate from a hundred than you are yeah. from two twenty? The answer is probably not. Yeah, and so exactly. like, you're really not hurting yourself <laughs> trying to sling one up there. The, the only thing worse than that guy is the guy that's like two seventy out that has to wait for the group to clear off the green. Cause if I catch it, it might get there. It's like, no bro, hit it. You're going to duff it a hundred yards. <laughs> like just, just hit it, bro. Like save us if that. Again, that's kind of another one of those scenarios. You get what you deserve. It's like, dude, if you're just being this guy to being this guy, like you're gonna hit this fat or shank it. I'm gonna laugh. Oh no, Straight no, up. no, no. When you when the guy, I'm sure you've dealt with out, it. I'm I'm sure you've dealt with that plenty of times. More than once. Just and hey, like, if I with, if I catch it, I think it might get there. It's like no, it's no, not. <laughs> it, it, and it's not even it's not even duffing it or hitting it fat. It's like 100 percent of the time that guy will cold top the ball. Yeah. 15 feet in front of yeah. him. Once the green is clear, it's like, again, the golf gods have spoken. Now, Alex, appreciate you taking the time, man. Always a pleasure. Um, enjoy the bye week. Obviously we do have the bye week in South Carolina. going to try to figure things out, but uh, appreciate you taking the time, man. We'll do it again next week. Absolutely. Bye. As always, he's Alex McGrath. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs up show. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com